is here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. I did not watch the Comey interview last night, but I did look at clips today extensively because my show was on at the same time, and I hope you had an opportunity to watch it. I'm sure you would have learned a hell of a lot more. But you wouldn't even know it's on if I didn't mention it on the radio. Sad. I'm going to try and deal with that. We'll see. All that aside, so I'm walking my dog Barney down the street, and one of my few liberal neighbors is in his car, he's an ex-lawyer, says to me, hey, well, look at your buddy Hannity. They're always so kind, aren't they? Never had a nasty thing to say about Hillary or Bill or any of the rest of it. I said, what about well, he certainly picked a great lawyer. I said, well, he put out a statement, and I told him what the statement said. Oh, there's still attorney-client proof. Folks, let me explain something. This is a sideshow, an absolute sideshow. Hannity's not involved in anything. Hannity won't be involved in anything. Do you ever go up to a lawyer and ask them some questions or call them or send them an email or something like that? You don't actually have a formal relationship, but you say, you know, I'm in this custody battle. What do you think about this? And I have not talked at all to Hannity about the substance of this. I'm just telling you as an example. Or I have this contract. You ever thought about that? Or whatever it is. Because Sean put out a statement and he said, Michael Cohen has never represented me in any matter. I never retained him. Received an invoice or paid legal fees. I've occasionally had brief discussions with him about legal questions about which I wanted his input and perspective. I assume those conversations were confidential, but to be absolutely clear, they never involved any matter between me and a third party. So we all do this. I even do this. But you know, now, why didn't Sean reveal this? Because you don't have an obligation. When you're talking to somebody, and you may not even realize now if you have an attorney-client privilege or not an attorney-client privilege, you don't have an obligation to tell anybody that. If you see a urologist, you don't have an obligation to tell them that if they're a guest on your program either. So that's a sideshow. That'll be done in a day or two. And unfortunately, this is filled with sideshows. We now have center stage a porn actress. And her slip-and-fall lawyer. And the Southern District of New York. And this is what I want to get into a little bit. The more I look at these clips of what Comey had to say yesterday, and some clips are being put out of uh, things he said that were not aired last night, the more something becomes very crystal clear to me. Comey's news conference in July, I think it was July 2016, where we all listened, and I listened, and he's laying out the case for indicting Hillary Clinton, and then he says, no, but she shouldn't be indicted. He rewrites the statute, and he does not allow the matter to reach the prosecutors in the office for their own independent decision. Remember all that? Now, why did he do that? He got Lanny Davis running around like a buffoon, attacking 
Comey for that. You have Hillary Clinton, who's written and said that that cost her election as well as October. I'll get to that. But that's not what Comey thought. Comey thought he was protecting Hillary Clinton. Comey thought he was protecting Hillary Clinton. Because you see, ladies and gentlemen, something extraordinary took place at the Democrat National Convention. What was extraordinary, Mr. Producer? Can you think about that? Anybody know what was extraordinary? Hillary Clinton was nominated while she was under investigation. You had a presidential candidate who became the nominee who was under criminal investigation for potential violations, among other things, of the Espionage Act. Now think about it. Now think about that. Comey wants Hillary to win. Why do I know that now? Well, his wife and his daughters are marching in this thing. I'll get to that later. Clearly, he liked Hillary. And clearly, he was sad to see Obama go. I'll get to that soon, too. He despised Trump. He despised Trump even before he ever talked to him. He despised him as a candidate. I don't care if he's a Republican, Democrat, or whatever the hell he is. It doesn't matter. He did not like Trump. Neither did Stroke. Neither did McCabe, neither did Page, neither did any of the upper hierarchy of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. But I want you to listen to me very clearly. The Democrat Party nominated a candidate who was under criminal investigation by the Federal Bureau of Investigation for possible violations of, among other statutes, the Espionage Act, 18 United States Code 783. When Comey did that press conference... And laid out the case against Hillary Clinton. He changed the statute. We talked about this at the time. He insisted on specific intent when that wasn't wasn't the standard. Gross negligence was the standard. The gross negligence in handling classified information. Not specific intent to mishandle it or to reveal it. So he changed it. Go back to the beginning. So here's the problem. The Democrat Party nominated somebody who should have been indicted. Who should have been indicted, but he didn't want her indicted. So he took the decision away from department prosecutors. Forget about Loretta Lynch. He took the decision away from civil servants, line prosecutors. Yes, it would have to have been approved by the Attorney General. But what a mess he, preve- he prevented, if you're a Democrat. And then, having additional access to emails that the FBI at the highest level sat on and realizing, in his view, that Hillary Clinton would be elected president, this is what he said. He went back and he looked at it a day or two before the weekend, before the election, quickly looked at it, quickly exonerated her. And Hillary and Lanny Davis and her other surrogates and spokes idiots, they're out there saying, that cost me the election, that cost me the election. But again, he was protecting her. If she was elected president of the United States, he wanted her cleared. He wanted her to be protected. So twice he came to her defense. Forget about what she says and Lanny Davis and the other partisans and spin doctors. He stopped her from being charged. 
because the Democrats nominated somebody who was under criminal investigation and should have been indicted, which would have been truly a remarkable event. But he said no. And at the same time as that was going on, the same time, the Russians were trying to interfere with our election. And over at the White House, over at the White House, when Susan Rice became aware of this, she directed the head of cybersecurity not to do anything and, in fact, not to provide options for the President of the United States to address it. And not until a week before the general election did Obama come out and did others come out and mention the fact that the Russians were involved in the election. Why? Again, we know why. They thought Hillary was going to win, so they didn't want anyone to think that she won because of the Russians interfering in the election. Because we all knew that the Russians really wanted her. But regardless, they wanted to disrupt the election. They wanted to disrupt the election. So you have two cover-ups. One is for Hillary specifically in her violations of the Espionage Act, led by James Comey. And the other was the Russian interference in our election, led by numerous officials in the Obama administration, but it goes all the way into the Oval Office with Susan Rice. Now... Now we look at the Southern District of New York. Everybody says that's where the real action is now, the Southern District of New York. Forget about collusion. Forget about Mueller. The real action now is the Southern District of New York. And, coincidentally, we have another recusal. The United States attorney appointed by the President of the United States has recused himself. So now it's left to the bureaucrats, to the civil servants, who we know we can all trust... Sure we can. That's what we've been told. We can all trust them. And what are they doing? President's not going to be indicted. I don't think he can be, but they can try. President's not going to be indicted over Russian collusion. We've talked about this till we're blue in the face. Collusion's not a crime. There's no evidence that he committed any, any offshoots of any types of crime. Mueller, yes, he's hooked up on this... Uh, Obstruction of justice that he'll throw out there. Won't charge him. He'll just throw it out there for impeachment purposes. Again, we talked about that. But that's not good enough. So he refers a matter over to the Southern District of New York. He doesn't refer the matter over to the Southern District of New York. Let me tell you something. He's coordinating with the Southern District of New York. He doesn't go to the Deputy Attorney General to expand his authority. He expands it on his own by reaching out to the Southern District of New York and saying, Hey, boys! I've got a couple ideas for you over there. After all, you need to understand how incestuous this is. There are many individuals who are working for Mueller who are tight with the Southern District of New York, including the former head of the unit within the Southern District of New York's U.S. Attorney's Office of their public corruption section. He now works for Mueller. And you know damn well they've been coordinating You know damn well they've been coordinating. So what are they coordinating on? Well, look at this. We have this issue with this Stormy Daniels. We have this issue with this Stormy Daniels. That's what we've got. What does that mean? 
Well, we don't know. We don't know. They're going to expand the whole idea of conspiracy, you see. What we know right now is Stormy Daniels signed a deal, a non-disclosure agreement, for which she received $130,000. For which she received $130,000, called an NDA. NDAs are legal and they're commonplace. First, we heard them throw out that it could be a campaign violation, you see. A campaign violation as an in-kind contribution to help Trump by silencing her. Well, that's preposterous. We had the chairman of the Federal Election Commission on this program who said that's idiotic. Doesn't mean they won't try. But now, they wanted to silence her. No. They offered her money and she silenced herself. And then she broke her NDA. She broke her non-disclosure agreement, the Stormy Daniels. And she's running around like she's the victim. And then we have the Southern District of New York's... We don't have the details because we do not have the warrant application that was approved. It must be an extraordinarily powerful uh, warrant application by the Southern District of New York to result in a lawyer's office, a lawyer's home, a lawyer's hotel room where his family living, all simultaneously to be searched. No subpoenas, a warrant. A surprise warrant. Crime of the century involving a porno actress. Crime of the century involving, a, I believe, an ex-Playboy bunny or something. Hush money, they now call hush money. No, it's a NDA, a non-disclosure agreement. Call it hush money if you wish. Now... They could be trying to say that there was extortion involved here. That they had no choice but to sign these deals. Well, they can say all they want. They could say all they want. But to open this up involving a president of the United... They're not after Michael Cohen. He means nothing to them. This Sean Hannity stuff today is a distraction of the worst kind. Ignore that too. It's baloney. It has nothing to do with anything. They're after the President of the United States. They're after the President of the United States. They're looking. They've been looking at his finances. They've been looking at his family's finances. Found nothing. They've been looking at his associations. They've gone all over the world. They've gone to Russia. They've gone to the Middle East. All over the world. And then they circle back to a porn actress. And I guess an ex-Playboy bunny and some others. Hey, I have an idea, guys. We can't find any crap here. We're looking, we're looking, we're shaking these guys down. We can't find anything. We're all over Manaford. Nothing there. We got everything in here. What can we... This guy Cohen. What about him? He's got files. Okay. We'll go into court. We'll say he's not a real lawyer. Not a real lawyer. Doesn't really run cases. He doesn't really practice. He's a bag man. Then we'll get all the documents. Then we'll go through them. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin.
uh, during his ABC News interview, apparently for five hours, they ran about an hour worth of tape. Jim Comey has now targeted himself. Now, what do I mean by that? He's locked himself into positions. So depending on his relevance as a witness and depending on the context of any court case, Jim Comey will be called, perhaps by, uh, by Mueller as a prosecution witness, but he might be called also as a defense witness. The man is not smart. The man is evil. You saw him, those of you who were foolish enough to watch, ramble on like, <laughs> like, like a smitten teenager. And the questions, for the most part, were really quite stupid. Does he think the president should be impeached? Why do we care what he thinks about that? He's a schmo. But there was something just put out that is relevant. It's relevant legally. That they did not air yesterday. But I'm going to air for you when we return. Just a couple of minutes. And this will also help you understand why Comey stood up to protect Hillary Clinton in July, whether she understands that or not, and then came back and protected her again in late October before the election, whether she understands that or not either. Because she could have easily been indicted and should have been. We'll be right back. Do you wake up in the morning feeling sluggish and have to drag yourself through your day? Do you feel bloated, tired, and out of shape? Eating healthy is a habit, but most of us don't really know exactly what we should be eating, right? How much we should be eating and how to properly prepare it. This is why I drink Field of Greens every morning before I start my day. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA certified organic fruits and vegetables. Helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Now this is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the Nutrition Facts panel on the side. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com and get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. Now, you know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day with Field of Greens. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouseLevin.com, offer code LEVIN. a champion of freedom. You know, you're one of the greatest champions of freedom in this country, if not in the English-speaking world, Mark. Call Mark at 877-381-3811. Thank you, Mr. Vice President. I love the Vice President. He's a good man. Good man. Before I get to this Comey stuff, I want to remind you of a few things. Those of you who are younger may not know this. Those of you who are my age, 60 or so, just some recollection. Remember the Iran-Contra case? Remember what that was about? Yes, Mark, we transferred weapons. And not only that, uh, we helped the freedom fighters in Nicaragua in violation of the Bolin Amendment. Do you know the Bolin Amendment was unconstitutional? It was an effort by Congress to control foreign policy, and the President of the United States didn't acknowledge it. So there was no underlying crime. And even the transfer of weapons uh, to Iran. It's not a violation of any crime either. Yet it engulfed the Reagan administration for a time. They went after Secretary of State Schultz. 
They went after Secretary of Defense Weinberger. They went after Attorney General Edwin Meese. They went after the former CIA director who passed away, Casey. And of course, they wanted the President of the United States. That investigation, ladies and gentlemen, went on for about eight years under Lawrence Walsh, another Republican, but he hated Reagan. He'd been Deputy Attorney General under Dwight David Eisenhower for a period of time. And he brought in all kinds of hitmen, including this guy Jeffrey Tubin, who's now on CNN, but Tubin couldn't cut it. He was there a little while, then he quit, then he wrote a book to make money, and Walsh went after Tubin to stop Tubin's book. All kinds of sleazy stuff going on. Landmark Legal Foundation represented Attorney General Ed Meese. I was the lead lawyer representing him. And I was fighting it out with the independent counsel. And much of the litigation occurred under the statute in secret. In front of three-panel so-called division, the court, which had two circuit judges and one district court judge on it, all appointed by the Chief Justice of the United States. And much of this litigation went on in a courtroom in Washington, D.C., which nobody knew about. And we were filing motions back and forth. And the viciousness of these so-called independent prosecutors in trying to destroy men who had done nothing except serve their country is what taught me a lesson about people like Mueller and the people he's hired. It got so bad that uh, right before the election, right before the election involving the the re-election of uh, George uh, H.W. <coughs> excuse me, George H.W. Bush, the prosecutor Walsh brought indictments against Casper Weinberger. Several of those charges had already passed the statute of limitations. So in other words, they were always going to be thrown out. Some of them didn't, but some of them did. But the damage had been done. <coughs> Excuse me, the damage had been done. In the case of my client, the former Attorney General of the United States, they wanted to destroy him. One of the most honest men I've ever known. One of the most ethical men I've ever known. Never took a dime from anybody. Always, always told us to shoot straight. Always. But they wanted him. They even wanted to indict George Schultz, the Secretary of State. You can go back and read these reports, because I wrote our report for the Attorney General. That's part of the official report in the uh, so-called Iran-Contra matter. It's there on public for all to read. And the tactics that were used were loathsome. For two and a half months, I had to go into this courtroom, <clears throat> actually into the, uh, into the chamber of one of the judges, and read from the grand jury testimony. Read. Wasn't allowed to take notes. Into a handheld, at that time, handheld recorder. They were going to use grand jury information in their report, which, of course, is outrageous because you can't cross-examine anybody in a grand jury. 
and I moved to have it all stricken in the draft. They refused. Then I moved to have the right to take the material back with me to put up a proper defense, and they said no. Then I moved to be able to at least read it into a microphone to play it back to myself in order to uh, prepare a proper defense. And finally, they agreed. Finally, they agreed. So I know what kind of sleazeball activities are going on in the shadows here. And I am very much convinced that Mr. Mueller coordinated with the Southern District of New York. And I'm very much convinced that Mr. Rosenstein did the same thing since he had to approve it. And what we have here, ladies and gentlemen, is a cabal. We have a cabal. Sort of this underworld, excuse me, I'm sorry. Sort of this underworld of prosecutors and investigators who do not represent all prosecutors and investigators, but they do represent a lot in the Southern District of New York and in Mueller's operation, which he put together himself. And just like Comey, who wanted Hillary to win, and took steps to try and protect her, even though she's too stupid to understand it, as are most of the people who defend her, because she should have been indicted as a candidate. But they didn't want Trump to win. And yet Trump won anyway. Now they want to take him down. Now they're going to use a porno star to try and take him down. Anything that works. Because there is no Russian collusion, except with the Hillary Clinton campaign and the Democrat National Committee, which Mr. Mueller is not investigating. Apparently nobody's investigating. Not the U.S. Attorney in Washington, D.C. Mr. Rosenstein doesn't see fit to to ask anybody to investigate that. Now, James Comey, I am not going to bore you with endless clips about the interview last night. If you wanted to watch it, you watched it. And then tell you how smart I am analyzing those clips. But there is a clip out now that wasn't played last night. And the reason I'm going to play it is not because I think I'm so clever and can analyze it for you. I'm going to play it for you because it's going to tell you a lot that you probably may not have considered. So it's two and a half minutes or so, and I'm not going to interrupt it. So listen carefully. I'll comment on it. We'll come full circle and I'll explain why I've played it. Cut 22. Go. You met with President Obama after the election. Yeah, he held me back after one of the very last meetings I had with him after the election. And he said, but I want to just tell you something generally. I appoint you to be FBI director because of your integrity and your ability. And he looked me in the eye and he said, nothing has happened. Nothing in the last year that has changed my view of that. And look, he wasn't telling me, I agree with what you did. He wasn't telling me you made the right decision. He was telling me, I know where it came from. I know you're not a partisan hack. I know you're trying to do the right thing. And it meant a lot to me. I mean, I had not been a political supporter of President Obama's. I came to deeply respect him and his higher loyalty to the values I care a lot about. And I I almost got emotional in that moment because, again, I've been walking around like Bruce Willis in the sixth sense. And have the president of the United States say, I still respect you for the reasons I did originally, meant a lot to me. That was a real, in some ways, a very raw conversation in your telling. What else did you tell him? Yeah, I said to him, uh, Mr. President, first of all, I said, thank you, Mr. President. It has been a nightmare. 
I'm just, I've just tried to do the right thing. And he said, I know, I know. And then I said, I think my wife would kill me if I didn't take this chance to thank you and to tell you how much I'm going to miss you. And, and also to t- I told him that I dread the next four years, but in many ways I feel great pressure to stay, to try and protect the institution I lead. What were you dreading? Well, I had some sense of the nature and character of the new president of the United States. And I worried very much that there would be an effort to erode the independence of the FBI. And I worried, given what I had seen during the campaign, that 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 effort to remain a part uh, might be challenged in in a Trump administration. And And I was right, but that's what I worried about. President Obama asked, what's the plan for briefing that material? We had decided that Director Comey would meet with the president-elect privately after we briefed the president-elect and his team on the general findings so that he could review it uh, in a more private, more sensitive setting with the president-elect. That was James Clapper. How did President Obama respond to that? He didn't say a word. President Obama has a great poker face, but he simply turned. So if I'm President Obama, he turned slightly to his left, looked at me, and went like this and then looked back at Director Clapper. So it kind of gave me a Groucho Marx, is how I thought about it, double eyebrow raise. Didn't say a word, but communicated to me, at least, and I could be misreading it because I don't know President Obama's eyebrow raises, that sort of a sympathy and concern. Like, good luck with that. This is really remarkable, and it's a remarkable insight. And ABC News has felt fit to put this out tonight. You can see he's almost passionate in his views of Obama. And you can also see how he's sucking up to Obama and Obama's sucking up to him. And you can see this part about how he, uh, he and Obama knew that he'd have a tough time with Trump. Because Comey believed in advance that Trump would not allow independence, you see, of the FBI. And of course he was right, he says. And then the president says, well, how are you going to brief, how are you going to brief Trump? Tells him I was going to brief Trump. Raises his eyebrows a couple of times and off he goes. A couple of things about this. Number one, it's abundantly evident that Comey supported Obama and opposed Trump. Now, he's the FBI director. He's not support, supposed to support or oppose anybody. He's the FBI director. He's supposed to do his job. He's supposed to stay out of politics. He's not supposed to have a political mindset. He's not supposed to commiserate with the outgoing president about the incoming president. What else did we learn? Number two, that Obama knew what was in that dossier. If he didn't know the specifics, he knew enough. If he didn't know the specifics, he knew enough. Fascinating, isn't it? What else did we learn from this interview? What else did we learn from this interview? James Comey was always in the tank for the sitting administration and what he hoped would be the incoming Hillary administration. 
He was always in the tank. We even know more, thanks to our friends over there, Breitbart. Let me see if I can find it right here. And that is, well, here it is. Comey's wife. I wanted a woman president really badly, and I supported Hillary Clinton. During an interview with ABC's George Stephanopoulos, former FBI Director James Comey's wife, Patrice, confessed that she supported Hillary Clinton and was devastated when Donald Trump won. I wanted a woman president really badly, and I supported Hillary Clinton. Patrice Fowler Comey told Stephanopoulos, A lot of my friends worked for her, and I was devastated when she lost. Comey admitted that his wife and girls all took part in the Women's March in response to Donald Trump's election. You know where they're talking about bombing the White House? My wife and girls marched in the Women's March the day after President Trump's inauguration, he said. At least my four daughters, probably all five of my kids, wanted Hillary Clinton to be first woman president. I know my amazing spouse did. Trump never had a chance with these people. Never had a chance with these people. Never. And you can be damn sure that his wife influenced him. You can be damn sure his wife influenced him. Just as McCabe's wife influenced him. And so this idea, there's Comey above the fray, just the good straight shooter. He's a Republican, and I don't even know that to be true. But, you know, he he was Deputy Attorney General under George W. Bush, just trying to do his job, damn it. Look how radical his family is. Now, do you think with a family like that, James Comey was ever going to allow the indictment trigger to be pulled on Hillary Clinton? No. He was a special pleader for Hillary Clinton in July and again in October. In July and October. This whole Russia interference issue was manipulated by the Obama administration on the intelligence side, the White House side, and the law enforcement side. And so was this. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. By the way, did you have an opportunity to watch my show on Fox last night? It was, really, the guests were terrific. Absolutely terrific. You ought to see the comments all over the internet, social media. Charlie Kirk, Daniel Horowitz, two of the young activists and thinkers who are coming up. And I view my role behind this microphone and on TV is to give them some No, national attention. To give them some national attention. I'm not going to be here forever. You know, falling into bed has taken a whole new meaning ever since I started sleeping on my Casper mattress. Their engineers have created an exceptionally comfortable sleep experience. Get one, and you'll understand why it's the Internet's favorite mattress. Casper has created three unique mattresses to help you sleep cool and comfortably year-round. The Wave is engineered to relieve pressure at 36 different points. The Casper mattress is more breathable and comfortable than ever. And the Essential mattress is innovation at a great price point. All of them are designed to coddle and comfort your every move. And they all provide the perfect support for every position you sleep in. So find out why Casper has hundreds of thousands of happy customers like me, like my family members. Try your Casper mattress for 100 nights in your own home with free shipping and returns. 
Go to casper.com slash mark and make sure you use code mark to save $50 on the purchase of select mattresses. That's casper.com slash mark, then use code mark, save 50 bucks. Terms and conditions apply. See the site for details. All right. Let me put in my code, try and pull this up. Which call would you take, Mr. Producer? Aaron in Los Angeles, 870 AM. How are you, sir? I'm doing well, Mark. Good evening. How are you, Dan? Okay. Go. Uh, first of all, I just by saying thank you for all that you do. You know, you basically take this water hose that I want to talk, we're all trying to drink from and you break it down into digestible pieces. So thank you for doing what you're doing. Thank you. I really do try to do that. I really do try to take these things apart and put them back together again. Go right ahead. Okay, so my question is is right now I feel like you know, the Republicans, we have control of the presidency, the House, the Senate, but I still feel like these Republicans are sitting on their hands, like Jeff Sessions. I feel like he could, he could be doing more. You know, I know he recused Well, he himself. could be doing more. He could be seizing his authority back from Mr. Rosenstein, who's handing off power to the Southern District of New York, who's expanding some of the powers of Mr. Mueller unrelated to the election. I don't get it. I don't think I'll ever know. I'll never understand. We'll be right back. From the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. This judge, Kimba Wood, you ought to Google her. She's got quite an odd past. I'm quite serious. And by the way, this federal judge, Kimball Wood, who's overseeing this case involving uh, Michael Cohen, uh, she's going to be performing the non-denominational ceremony, the wedding, for George Soros. Is this recent, Mr. Uh, Call Screener? Oh, she did back in September 20, 2013. For George Soros, who was 83 at the time, and his bride, Tamiko Bolton, who was 42 at the time. Kimball Wood is a well-known leftist. Let's be honest. I know. Hey, what are you, attacking a federal judge? No, no, no. no. We only attack conservative Supreme Court justices. We only attack Clarence Thomas and Neil Gorsuch. Not allowed to talk about liberal judges. Kimball Wood is a leftist. She, uh, you might recall, she was the second person... Bill Clinton nominated to be attorney general, but she had a problem with illegal aliens or something. or other. I can't remember off the top of my head. She also was involved in some kind of a, what was it, affair maybe? I'm trying to do this off the top of my head, so don't hold me to it. You can check it yourself. Uh, but, uh, of course, she's the greatest judge who ever lived now because she's involved in this case, and she praised the Southern District of New York lawyers. There aren't any better, you know. There aren't any better. This is the way the local WABC station reported this on TV. A federal judge rejected a request from President Donald Trump and his personal lawyer. And by the way, I said Donald Trump would have sent his lawyers, remember, into this court and say, wait a minute, we want to see the, the warrant. We want to protect our clients' records. 
So she rejected a request from the president's lawyers and uh, Michael Cohen for a temporary restraining order that would have kept federal prosecutors from reading files seized in raids last week. Judge Kimball Wood said a government taint team can weed out privileged documents. But she left open the possibility of an independent third party could play a role at a later time in the interest of perception of fairness. See, this is already a bad move on her part. She's saying maybe later in the interest of perception of fairness. Well, it's too late to do it later. I don't know what she's thinking. She should appoint a, a special master, is what they're called, a special master who can oversee this. She said, I have faith in the Southern District prosecutors that their integrity is unimpeachable. Now, wait a minute. If you're defense counsel, maybe you don't think their integrity is unimpeachable. And what do you mean their integrity? What specific lawyers are we talking about? Her ruling came at the end of a hearing attended by Cohen and Stormy Daniels, who sat feet apart but not appear to interact. Now, why was Stormy Daniels there? Because she's never had so much publicity in her life. And her slip and fall lawyer, the same thing. Daniels was swarmed by photographers and nearly fell as she was hustled into a federal courthouse wearing a lilac suit and high heels. Was that the lawyer or her? Oh, her. Daniels was the main attraction for the media anyway at the court hearing before a federal judge made her ruling. The April 9 raid sought information of riot matters, including a $130,000 payment made to Daniels, who alleged she had sex with a married Trump in 2006. That issue was exactly who gets to look at Cohen's seized documents and devices before they're turned over to prosecutors. Attorneys for Cohen wanted first crack. Trump's lawyers also wanted some form of prior review. Well, of course they did. Prosecutors who say they raided Cohen's office, home, and hotel room as part of an undisclosed crime related to his personal business dealings preferred the ordinary procedure of reviewing the documents with a panel of prosecutors unrelated to the investigation. I don't know. Is this a typical case, ladies and gentlemen? At stake is an investigation that could get at the heart of Trump's longtime fixer and image protector. Now, that is what this is all about getting at Trump. Going in with an argument they obviously had planned well in advance that this guy's really a pretend lawyer. There's nothing really attorney-client privilege. Just let our taint team go through the stuff. People uh, familiar with the probe, so the prosecutors are leaking again, told the Associated Press that agents were seeking bank records, records on Cohen's dealing in the taxi industry, Cohen's communications with the Trump campaign, and information on payments made in 2016 to two women who said they had affairs with Trump, and so forth. You see that? Communications with the Trump campaign. So the Trump staff at the White House has been part of this investigation. The Trump campaign has been part of the investigation. The Trump transition team has been part of the investigation. This has been nothing but an investigative Trump, his family, his friends, his associates, his employees— and the Republican Party. And to this idiot, Rod Rosenstein. Lawrence for Cohen filed papers Monday saying investigators took everything during raids last week, including more than a dozen electronic devices. They said that prosecutors had already intercepted emails from Cohen and executed the search warrants only after discovering that there were no emails 
between Trump and Cohen. The point being, they apparently had earlier warrants, had been surveilling Cohen, didn't get any emails, and it wasn't enough, so they went in for more. One of Trump's lawyers, Joanna Hendon, filed papers late Sunday asking a federal judge to block prosecutors from studying material seized in the raid until Cohen and the president have both had a chance to review those materials and argue which are subject to attorney-client privilege. Fairness and justice, as well as the appearance of fairness and justice, require that. Before they are turned over to the investigative team, the seized materials relating to the president must be reviewed by the only person who is truly motivated to ensure that the privilege is properly invoked and applied. The privilege holder himself, the president, Hendon wrote. Remember, this underscores my point. The privilege belongs to the president of the United States, not Cohen. And just because the prosecutors claim he's not practicing law, he's just a fixer, what the hell do you think a lawyer is? You go to a lawyer when you need something fixed. You don't go to a lawyer when you want to go to dinner or uh, need bypass surgery or want to read poems to each other. What the hell do you think a lawyer does? Let's continue. President's lawyer Hendon proposed yet another level of protections, in which Cohen's lawyers, after finishing their initial review, would then be required to identify to the president all seized materials that relate to him in any way and provide a copy of those materials to him and his counsel. And what the hell is wrong with that? Cohen, who has denied wrongdoing, arrived early Monday afternoon. He did not attend Friday's hearing and was then ordered by the judge to appear in court Monday to help answer questions about his law practice. And what's the great revelation today? It's all over the media, so it must be important. I have friends emailing me, what does this mean? What should we say? It's all over Fox that their host, Sean Hannity, is said to be one of Cohen's clients. Now, let me address this again. Hannity put out a statement and read it on the air. Michael Cohen has never represented me in any matter. I never retained him, received an invoice, or paid legal fees. I've occasionally had brief discussions with him about legal questions about which I wanted his input and perspective. I assume those conversations were confidential, but to be absolutely clear, they never involved any matter between me and a third party. Again, this is not unusual. You may meet a lawyer, may not even know them. You may have a lawyer friend, may know them well. You might say, hey, look, I have a question. Can I run a couple of questions? Yeah, okay. Couple months, hey, I got another question. Run a question that does not create attorney client privilege. Attorney client privilege has to be a reality, either in somebody's head, particularly the client, or some kind of written device. If somebody comes up to me and asks me a legal question, I may or may not answer it, but it doesn't all of a sudden create an attorney client privilege, and you have no expectation of that. So it doesn't help Cohen to throw Hannity's name out there, and he didn't want to throw Hannity's name out there. The judge kept persisting. We want the names. We want the names. We want the names. Now, Sean. And by the way, this guy hasn't been convicted of anything yet, this Cohen. I don't know what the future holds for him. Nobody else does. But all of a sudden, he's kryptonite. All of a Oh, my God, Cohen. I don't know anything about this guy. Neither does anybody else. You and I don't. He asked him some questions. And so, by the way, I don't know what Hannity asked him either. 
But so what? Why does any of this matter? Well, because Sean defends the president. And he has objected to this kind of intervention by the U.S. Attorney's Office in Manhattan. These violations of attorney-client privilege. And he should have revealed that Cohen had been his lawyer. But Cohen's not his lawyer, any more than I might be your lawyer if I give you some advice. But again, it's a non-issue. Absolutely a non-issue. When you're arguing over whether or not a U.S. attorney's office should be able to uh, get a warrant and do something like this and then make these challenges on attorney-client privilege, you can make these arguments and not know the person who's involved in them. My argument would be the same no matter what. My argument would be the same whether I know the lawyer or not, whether I ask the lawyer a question or not. It has nothing to do with it. But it's a big deal, you see, because it's all over the news. It's not a big deal in the least. I'm just telling you, don't be spun. Don't be spun by this stuff, because that's exactly what they're trying to do. And, of course, over there at CNN, conga line of buffoons and morons. And over there at MSLSD, conga line of buffoons and morons. Of course, they're going to make this a big issue because that's what they do. I mean, uh, there you have Al Sharpton interviewing Joe Biden on MSNBC. That was pretty funny, don't you think, Mr. Producer? I think that's hilarious. I mean, actually, I think Joe Biden's so stupid that I, I actually think he, uh, he makes uh, Sharpton look like a genius. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. G-Men, one of the great top FBI officials that I've known, is former FBI Assistant Director Jim Kallstrom. Jim, how are you, my friend? Hey, how are you, my dear friend? You doing well? I'm doing well, but you must be looking at this, shaking your head, grinding your teeth, and saying, what the hell has happened over there at my beloved FBI? Am I wrong? Oh, you're not wrong at all, Mark. I've been pontificating uh, for almost two years now about... You know, Comey was uh, such a uh, a fraud from the get-go. I could see it happening right before my eyes. I couldn't believe it. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and he, here's a guy with a uh, ego uh, the size of uh, or the length of the Jersey Turnpike, <laughs> and and zero common sense, and uh, really zero experience from the standpoint of investigations. His uh, crowning jewel was what Martha Stewart and. Yeah, and how they screwed uh, Scooter Livy, yeah, and a few other cases like that. But here's a guy that uh, should never have been the FBI director, you know, himself, and I don't know how many others, sycophants, seven or eight, you know, uh, who are all Clinton lovers, you know, and talked among themselves, as you well know about, you know, about how bad Trump was, and and here's Hillary Clinton, uh, you know, I could spend an hour just just commenting and you could do on on all the issues with her all the felonies she committed you know the biggest felony she committed in my view one of the biggest was meeting the uh, four caskets at uh, andrews air force base uh, when they came back from benghazi one of those caskets had a navy seal in it a young young darty who was the son of a fraternity brother of mine very close friend 
And uh, Hillary Clinton told those those grieving parents that, uh, don't worry, we're going to catch this guy that made the video and put him in jail, and he's the reason your your sons are dead. I mean, how low can you get, Mark? Mm-hmm. How now, low Jim, can you get? Not apparently pretty low. Now, Jim yeah. Calstrom, former FBI assistant director, what do a lot of the FBI guys who you talk to, many of whom are retired now, what do they think about what's going on here? Uh, they they can't believe it. They're they're, they're uh, obviously upset. You know, myself. I mean, I put uh, almost 28 years in there, and uh, we had we had a fabulous time. You know, carrying out our, our constitutional uh, jobs. We we took down the mafia. We protected lives. We solved kidnappings. We did all kinds of great things. And we were there, to, you know, to protect the American people and the American business community against thefts of uh, intellectual property, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, you know, never once in in my career did I ever hear anybody talking about politics or this guy or that guy. You know, there were never, ne- never things were never done for political reasons that I could ever see. Not that it, not the agency was perfect. No, no, no agency is, but... But uh, this is shocking that that they would actually remove those those cases on the on the Clinton Foundation and the the Hillary Clinton uh, investigation itself as as to the espionage statute and all those other statutes and bring that up on the seventh floor and basically cut out the field officers so they really had they couldn't see what was happening you know they held it close this fraud of investigation. You know, which was just asinine from violated every precept, every concept, every rule and regulation uh, the FBI uh, carries out throughout 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 my career. Now, now, what do you make, Jim? Of you got Comey leaking, the former FBI director. You got the now yeah. the former deputy FBI director. He's a leaker. You've got, and now they're that, fighting among themselves. And now they're fighting. Well, yeah. you know, it's a den right. of thieves. And uh, then you have uh, Stroke, who apparently apparently was a leaker, and his girlfriend apparently involved in yeah. that. I mean, this is serious, serious stuff. I don't yeah. know how you get to the bottom of this without a special counsel. Do you? No, I, I think we have to have a, a special counsel, and and someone has to. I don't see anybody competent to instruct a special counsel that's there now. Unless you're willing to go back and be a... Oh, me? No, I've had enough. <laughs> <laughs> I know. But uh, you're, you're right. I mean, it's just... Uh, I believe it's a, a total, total conspiracy, a total cabal, a total fifth column. You know, that for... When it looked like Trump was going to be nominated, they, uh, you know, the, the, that conspiracy were made up of John Brennan, made up of Comey and uh, Clapper and others people of the national security council you know and um, so they had phase one you know to try to stop him from getting elected and then of course phase two was to ruin his uh, presidency which is ongoing today mm-hmm. you know the fraud is still being committed today and you know it's just unbelievable to me that that donald trump you know tied his hands behind his back when you know he put sessions in there as the attorney general someone Someone I knew and liked, and I know you knew and liked, but it's just been totally ineffective and totally out to lunch. And uh, Rosenstein, I mean, it's just uh, bad news, I think. Awful. James, James Kalstrom, Jimmy, I want to thank you. 
God bless you. If I ever get to New York, we're going to get together, okay? You're the best, Mark Levin. Keep it up. You're a great patriot. Love you too, brother. Jim Kalstrom. Great, great guy. Retired FBI assistant director. Calls him as he sees him. And happens to call him right. I'll be right back. Come across somebody once in a while that you shouldn't have messed with? That's Mark. And you can call him at 877-381-3811. Let me ask you folks a question. If you're running a massive media operation, why wouldn't you send your lawyers into federal court and say you want a copy of the warrant and the warrant application? Now, you're not likely to get it, but why wouldn't you press that case? in the case involving Michael Cohen. Because the media are not only passive in what's taking place, they're cheerleaders. They're cheerleaders. They just assume repeat over and over and over again he's being investigated for wire fraud and bank fraud. Wire fraud and bank fraud related to what? Well, you know, whatever. By the way, in the final hour of the program, we're going to be talking a bit about Syria. And uh, our magnificent military. And our terrific commander-in-chief. Sorry, I'm not one of these code pink Republicans. And I believe that trying to prevent the spread of chemical war and chemical weapons is in our national best interest. So I will discuss that a little bit more in the third hour. Now here's some exciting news. Simply Safe. Simply Safe is a company that's been around for many years. They've transformed into the fastest growing home security company in America. Now they protect over 2 million people, including my family. Well, they just released their brand new home security system, the all new Simply Safe. This system's been completely rebuilt and redesigned. They've added new safeguards to protect against power outages, downed Wi-Fi, cut landlines, bats, hammers, everything in between. The all-new Simply Safe was redesigned to be practically invisible, with powerful sensors so small you'll hardly notice them. You know who will notice them, by the way? Intruders. Simply Safe spent years building this system. By the way, I got the brand new system. Comes in a very nice box. Very neat. Took me 25 minutes to set it up. That was it. It takes me 25 minutes. It'll take you 15 or 20. Now, they added a great deal to this new system. But you still get the same fair and honest price. 24-7 professional protection. Only $15 a month. It was simply safe. There are no long-term contracts. There's no wiring. None of that. Brand new, cutting-edge technology. And this new system is smaller, it's faster, and it's stronger than anything they've built before. But supply is very limited, and that is a fact. That is not hype. Supply is limited. I spoke to them last week, as I do all my sponsors, to make sure everything's going okay, to make sure you're happy. And they said, "Uh, we're running out of supply, we're working overtime. That's because you're responding. So go to simplysafemark.com right now to order your system. That's simplysafemark.com 
to protect your family and home immediately. SimplySafeMark.com. We trust it. We use it. And I'm glad we do. All right, let's take a call here. Sal, Los Angeles, California, the great AM870, The Answer. Go! Mark, great show last night. Charles Kirk, Daniel Horowitz. I encourage all of your listeners to check in, tune it in. They were great. Thank you, sir. Your great show. Thank you. Mark, I grew up on the south side of Chicago under the reign of King Richard J. Daly. Oh, yes. uh, In a densely populated Italian neighborhood where I witnessed firsthand how mobsters and politicians work together. Mm -hmm. Tony Accardo, Sam Giancana, uh, unions, Teamsters, getting President Kennedy elected. Jesse Jackson morphing from Elijah Muhammad and his black Muslims to Operation Push. Mm-hmm. And lately, President Barack Obama, under the direction of Bill Ayers, Bernadette Dorn, Saul Alinsky. I suggest that there's something deeper than this. But first, I want to suggest that what we're seeing here in the news is the shiny object, all meant to distract us from the real issue. This Comey, Hillary, uh, Russian thing is all meant to distract us from the real thing, which I believe is Obama, his involvement in Uranium One. If Hillary got $145 million, how much did Obama get? What's his cut? All those emails that he was directly connected to that that are gone, what would be on those emails? The media connects even farther back. <coughs> All of these tactics go to 1930s Germany. All right. I lost you there, but I do understand the new left is what you're talking about. Uh, and you're quite right about all the tentacles and tactics. And it is, isn't it interesting, Sal, that the media really never wanted to get into all of Obama's connections with the hardcore Marxist left, did they? They're in the tank. They're in yeah. the tank. All right, my friend, I appreciate your call. We never did get to the bottom of all that, did we, folks? No, because the media would never want to get to the bottom of all that. Instead, the... Let's just back up and look at this. The media chased this guy, Michael Wolff, who was a joke. But they wanted his book to sell. They wanted him to get a lot of publicity, and that's exactly what happened. The media found this obscure psychiatrist, a professor at Yale who teaches psychology is my understanding and she was giving briefings on how President Trump is mentally deranged and so we heard about that and we heard about talk of the 25th amendment and the guy leading that charge was somebody who I would argue has a mental disorder and that would be Joe Scarborough and his lovely to be wife Mrs. Brzezinski Scarborough. Oh, yes. can see my wedding invitation now. So they chased that for a while. And before that, of course, they were chasing collusion. Collusion. They're chasing a porn star now. And they're hoping that a porn star who has paid $130,000 for a non-disclosure agreement will bring down the President of the United States. And if not a porn star, an ex-Playboy playmate. And if not her, maybe somebody else, something else. Whatever. But dig, dig, dig. And if you can't get the President that way, then at least throw enough dirt up there 
so the Democrats can win and then maybe he'll be impeached. And if that doesn't work, the Republicans should miraculously hold on to the House. Well, let's make sure he doesn't win his re-election three, two and a half, three years from now. So this is the game plan. If it wasn't a porn star, it would be something else. The President of the United States, you know, he, uh, he got the chicken fingers there at McDonald's, but he was only supposed to get five, but he got six. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. If they would apply the same standards to the rest of these politicians. And by the way, some of these prosecutors, and some of these judges, I don't know that they would survive very well. And certainly some of the media types, whatever happened to all the sexual harassment that was going on in the media? They were dropping like flies there for a while. You couldn't keep up. All of a sudden it stops. Have you noticed that, Mr. Producer? All of a sudden it's over. Charlie Rose is gone. Matt Lauer is gone. This schmo has gone. That schmuck's gone. All of a sudden, okay, we're done. You're done. Same with the House and the Senate. Oh, this one had to pay off that. All of a sudden, it's done. They decided, hey, we got to clear the decks. Remember, we're out to get Trump. We're out to get Trump. How much of the lib media talked about the movie Chappaquiddick? It's a compelling movie. If you haven't seen it, I hope you'll see it. Because it'll be gone in a snap if you don't. Well, the lion of the Senate. Have they gone back to any of these Democrats? including elected Democrats and some Republicans, and said, now what do you think about the line of the Senate? No, of course not. Brandon, Augusta, Georgia, the great WGAC. Go. Hi, Mark. I love your show. I love what you're doing for our country. Uh, Thank you. I want to talk about Jim Comey the the second time he went out there. Uh, A lot of people really are not talking about that. The other stuff the Democrats and liberals do, it's easy to figure out. You know, it's very easy to figure out what they're up to, what they're doing. But I, I never could figure out why Comey went back out there the second time, right before the election and reopened the investigation. He could have swept that under the rug. If he thought Hillary was going to win, he would have swept it under the rug and waited until after she won. I think well, I, 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 think, I, I think it was getting out, and he decided I better grab this, and he grabbed it. I'm telling you what I think he thought. And he grabbed it and then tried to clean it up real fast and take care of it, which he did, ultimately. He cleared the decks. been behind everything. I think Obama was behind this, too. I think that Obama got the word right before that Hillary was going to lose. Isn't it amazing to you, sir, that uh, Obama was oblivious to everything? He was oblivious to the unmasking, even though it's in the newspaper. He's oblivious to the FISA stuff, even though that was in the newspaper. He's oblivious to the Russian intervention, even though his staff knew about it. He's oblivious to all this stuff. He's not oblivious to any of it, is he? Okay, so say, for instance, Obama got information that, that, that she was, Hillary was going to lose, for sure. Then well, he doesn't they, have information that Hillary's going to lose, for sure. Well, well, then why? Because nobody why? knew that she would win or lose right up to Election Day. He thought she was going to win. Then if Comey thought she was going to win, why would he go back out there? Why did I he just told win? you why. Because they already had these emails. He'd been sitting on them. And he had to put them out. And so he wanted to put them out now in order to kill them off. He even said he didn't want her presidency to seem illegitimate. Hmm. He was trying to help her, believe it or not. He's just a moron. 
I, if I, <laughs> I just, I mean, I have a different perspective, just, just human nature. I just think the way Democrats do things, the way Comey was doing things, that he would have swept it under the rug. I think it's just the opposite. I, think. I don't think he could have kept it under the rug. That's the problem. All right, sir, I appreciate your call. Chris Saliza is a uh, is another fraud from CNN. This CNN, this conga line of goofballs. He thinks this is the unbelievable story of Michael Cohen and Sean Hannity. We thought the big news to come out of the Michael Cohen hearing on Money in New York would be porn star Stormy Davis's presence in the courtroom. You would, you sleazeball. We thought uh, it turned out to be so much more. We knew Cohen had a handful of clients at the time. His law firm, home, and hotel room were raided by the FBI last week. And we knew the identities of two. But Sean Hannity? So many questions. Why did Hannity retain Cohen's services? He didn't. For how long? Not long. Why did he ever disclose this connection on the air? Why should he? I don't even understand this point. You got to go through your mind. Every lawyer have ever asked a question. Or even if it's any lawyer who you ever have had on, uh, who you've ever secured. You got to go on the air and say, okay, I had this guy. What do you do? Put a list of all your business contacts too? Where all your family members work? Is this a joke? Suddenly, CNN has a moral standard. Suddenly, it wasn't Kennedy, wasn't Clinton, it's not Obama and his fiats, it's not Hillary Clinton. No, no. Suddenly, they have a moral outrage. What a bunch of pathetic, self-serving goons over there at CNN. Truthfully. They got guys who work for Obama as reporters. Tell me, every time they do a story, do they mention... Hi, I'm, uh, what's that, what's that jerk's name who does national security? I can't remember his name. Nobody can remember his name. He's insignificant. But he's on there. Does he say, I work for Obama? Hi. Does Jake Tapper keep saying, I work for handgun control? No. There you have it. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. some really big news from PM Capital. I hope you listen. They know that when it comes to retirement, most want to make sure, you know, that we have the means to travel and see more of this great country. That's why for a very limited time, ready? PM Capital is giving away an exclusive $2,500 travel savings card with all gold and silver purchases over $5,000. Think of that. You heard me correctly. You'll receive a free $2,500 travel savings card when you purchase over $5,000 worth of gold or silver from PM Capital. That's a win-win, right? You're still going to have your gold and silver. So not only will you have the solid investment of precious metals, you'll be on your way to receiving substantial savings on hotels and so forth across the country. Call PM Capital right now to place your order. They're there. And this is for a very limited time. Call 1-877-382-2503. That's 1-877-382-2503. 1-877-382-2503. Or visit mytravelcard.gold. That's mytravelcard.gold. Again, 
This will not last forever. As a matter of fact, it's on a short leash. You'll receive a free $2,500 travel savings card when you purchase over $5,000 worth of gold or silver from PM Capital. That, again, is a win-win. I want to strongly encourage you to do this before they run out of these travel cards, and they will. That's one 382 2503 This may nudge you or prod you to do you know, what you probably ought to do anyway in terms of diversification with gold. But that is a, a hell of an offer, a hell of an incentive, truly. I didn't get it. Jim, Atlanta, Georgia, the great W-Y-A-Y, go. Mark, I want to know, can the Poland attorneys appeal judge... I'm having a little trouble understanding you. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Can Cohen's attorneys appeal Judge Kimber Woods' uh, decision today? Can they get another judge to look at that? There can be what's called an interlocutory appeal. They're not usually that successful because the circuit courts don't want to get involved in the trial court activity unless there is a complete, you know, absurd decision out of left field. So uh, probably not, not successfully. Well, now, in the end, they can, you know, appeal whatever they want, but it's probably too late. The other thing is she's been kind of all over the map. She's pretty much going to do what the prosecutors want her to do. But then she says something like, however, if there's a perception of unfairness, we may have to bring in a third party. So that's just ridiculous. Either bring in a third party or not. She could very easily order for uh, order a special master be appointed and appoint one. She doesn't have to wait around. It doesn't take anything away from the case. It just makes it not only appearance-wise, but in reality, a much more just result. All right, my friend, I have stunned you with my genius. Thank you, sir. Let us go to Gene in New Jersey, the great WABC. How are you? Dr. Levin. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I'm so excited to talk to you. Thank you. Uh, (laughs) uh, I just wanted to say that... Last night, uh, I, would, I didn't want to at all waste my time listening to Comey. And I listened, I've been listening to your new program, Life, Liberty, and Levin, every single week. Thank you. It's absolutely wonderful. And Thank last you. night, when you had the two young boys, well, I should say young men. Uh, Kirk Horowitz. and Horowitz. Yes. And you, of course. Uh, <laughs> it was a wonderful, wonderful evening because... Even though we, I have been with this Comey and all of this nonsense going on, it's kind of depressing. And mm-hmm. at the end of the evening, it was an uplift because it, they were uplifted yes. about our future. Yes. The, the and they were terrific. And this is what I want to do. Sunday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. It's really the show you want to end your week with. Or, if you'd rather, begin the next day with. Gene, thanks so much. I appreciate it. And all of you who watch. We'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker. Somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building. We've once again made contact with our leader, Mark. Love them. Hello, 
everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. You can see how uh, the president is colluding with Russia, imposing the toughest sanctions that have been imposed on Putin and Russia, clearly in more than a decade. Staring down Putin in the Middle East, as he deals, the president does, with Syria. And I'm going to get into some of this. But before I do, I want you to hear Rachel Maddow on MSLST Friday night. This is why she's one of the biggest cable audiences in the country, because she gets about 3, 3.1, 3.2 million viewers. Which means there's 3.1, 3.2 million nutjobs out there. And they are attracted to her program like flies to you-know-what. And uh, this is the sort of thing that draws the attention of the hard left, what you're about to listen to. This is Friday night when the United States Armed Forces in harm's way are launching attacks on the uh, Syrian Chemical depots and chemical plants. Cut to go. Other countries and entities involved in the fight in Syria or considering their role in Syria are going to try to figure out how they're going to react to this U.S. strike. It will affect those other countries' view of this strike. It will affect their reaction to it. It will therefore affect the utility of this military strike. If the President of the United States is believed to have issued the order to launch this strike tonight, even in part because people think he wanted to distract from a catastrophic domestic scandal that is blowing up at home at the same time. The perception that the President may have ordered these strikes, in part because of scandal, will affect the impact and the effectiveness of these military strikes. Unavoidably. Even if the tail is not wagging the dog, even if you give the president every benefit of the doubt, even if his calculations about whether to launch this action against Syria tonight was taken with absolutely no regard for for what else is going on in the president's life right now, what else is going on in the president's life right now unavoidably creates a real perception around the globe that that may have been part of the motivation both for what he did for, and particularly for, for when he did it. And it's, it, is, it is a sad thing, and it is an upsetting thing in terms of American influence in the world and the risks that we take when we use American military power anywhere. But that, that perception that this president under this much siege may have made this decision in, that was in any way inflected by the scandals surrounding him, that by necessity has shaped America's national security options for who we are in the world tonight. And it will unavoidably shape the impact ah, that's of enough. This. this rambling insanity, according to the left, shows a real intellectual flair. This rambling insanity. That the President of the United States did this to take attention away from what's taking place in this country. Now, let me ask you a question. Did it take Rachel Maddow's attention away from anything? No. She's still there. Did it take any host on MSLSD or the Constipated News Network, CNN? Did it, did it draw their attentions away from uh, their goals of destroying this president? Of course not. Did it change Adam Schiff, 
or Chuck Schumer or Robert Mueller or Jim Comey. No, it didn't change any of them. So what the hell is she rambling on about like a moron? And trust me, she believes this crap. Now, she's not accused of being a conspiracy nut. You'll never see that written about her. You never, you never hear that said about her. She's not a conspiracy nut. No, no, she's really smart. She's sharp. No, she's a conspiracy nut. Now, the truth is, I could turn my Sunday Fox show into this, get up there, get behind my desk, and go on and on and ramble like a buffoon. Why would I do that? And she's not the only one. The Democrats are really revealing who they are. They're not compassionate. They don't care about other people. They care about power. That's it. So what? Some people are being gassed in the Middle East. So what? What's that have to do with us? That's right. They only support international institutions when those international institutions are undermining our sovereignty. Then they're for them. Then they demand that we support them. And I wonder if the Muslim world is taking note, and these judges who accuse our president of being anti-Muslim, I wonder if they're taking note that it's this commander-in-chief who sent American warplanes and American missiles into Syria to protect whom? Christians? No. Jews? No. White males? No. Muslims. Muslims. You got that, all you goofball judges out there? And it's the liberals who are offended. Yeah, what are we doing here? It's a wag the tail, uh, wag the dog tail, uh, whatever, wag something. Then there's Adam Schiff. Adam Schiff, who's a nobody. They can't get enough of Adam Schiff because Adam Schiff is the voice through whom they speak. Cut three, go. I, look, I think the president did a couple things right and one big thing wrong. Um, I think he was right to have uh, strikes on these chemical facilities as a deterrent to Bashar al-Assad uh, to try to uh, reestablish this norm against the use of chemical weapons. Uh, and I think he was right to pick targets that would not uh, risk Russian lives and, and uh, embroil us in a broader God forbid. War. Using sanctions against the Russians, which they're apparently going to employ, I think is the right approach rather than bombing Russian targets. But on the negative side of the ledger, this should have been brought to Congress for a vote. Uh, it morally justified, but probably unconstitutional. Was, uh, was Congress in session? Was Congress ever in session? So I love these fools in Congress. They get up and they say, you know, this should have been brought to Congress for a vote and so forth. Congress can't even meet deadlines for its budget. Congress can't even meet deadlines on spending. Congress can't even balance the books. So the president wants to hit Syria. Time is of the essence. Time is beginning to linger. And you should go to Adam Schiff and the Democrats and the Republicans and have them debate it. Now, we've only declared war five or six times in our history. For real wars, this president made it utterly clear he wants to get out of Syria. Whether you agree with him or not. He's made it utterly clear that this is what we're doing. We're keeping an eye on this, this nut job's use of chemical weapons. Why don't we take him at his word? He tells us the truth, when it, certainly when it comes to foreign policy. And he's handled foreign policy, listen to me, particularly you never Trumpers. 
He's handled foreign policy beautifully. What he's done with North Korea, what he's doing with China, what he's doing now with Russia, how he's trying to deal with the disaster that Obama and Kerry and Clinton created with Iran and that deal. And Syria, he's inherited all this stuff. And the, the irony is, he's a businessman who was an outsider, got elected president of the United States, and I'm going to tell you something. I know it's going to be tough to understand this with all the crap that's going on out here. So far, he's one of our finest foreign policy presidents in recent times. Who's better? Certainly no Democrat. And he kept his word on Jerusalem and Israel and so forth. He's trying to build up the United States military. He's trying to secure our border for national security and other reasons. You know what he gets on foreign policy? An A. And I heard one of these uh, weekly standard guys on Fox. What's the uh, president's position on Syria? I have no idea. He said we're going to get out and then he strikes on the gas stuff. Really? You guys over there can't figure this out? You can't figure what, you you got a little circle thing going on over there, and you'd like to convince each other that Trump is so horrific. I can figure it out. He doesn't want to be there. On the other hand, while we're there, if uh, if Syria is going to use chemical weapons, he has said that he will confront it. Then we have other code pink Republicans out there saying, what does this have to do with us? So far away. What does this have to do with us? Now, you would think after 9-11 that that question would be obvious. The problem with chemical weapons is they're cheap to make and they're easy to use. And they're easy to cross over borders. They're easy to move from one region to another. And the term that we like to use is non-proliferation. We do not want the proliferation of these weapons of mass destruction. And that's what they are. They may have killed 70, 100, 200 people in this instance, but they can do a lot more damage, for instance, in Manhattan or Los Angeles or what have you. And it's not just Syria. This is Russia. Russia's behind this. Russia was supposed to make sure Syria wasn't making any more chemicals, wasn't storing them, and wouldn't use them. Russia's now in Syria, effectively running Syria, And yet, look what Syria is doing with chemical weapons. Look what Russia is doing with chemical weapons. Now, it's been understood for 100 years. Perhaps the code pink Republicans don't know this. It's been understood for 100 years. It's been understood since World War I, after World War I, since World War II, after World War II, that we cannot just allow these kinds of genocidal weapons that are cheap to make and easy to move We cannot make them considered like conventional weapons. And once there are systems to make them, to store them, to transport them, and they become ubiquitous, then it's too late. Then it's too late. That's why the president's doing what he's doing. He's letting the Russians know, the Syrians know, and all these other backward fools know. That at least when it comes to the United States, France, and the UK, no, it's not tolerable. Now, the president's not sending in 20, 30, 50, 100,000 troops. He did what he needed to do. And they've warned them again. Do it again and we'll hit you again. Well, Mark, what about all the people being slaughtered in the Sudan? 
And what people mean by that is the black Muslims slaughtering black Christians in Sudan by the hundreds of thousands. It's horrific. I wish we could do something about it. Maybe we could do more about it, but we can't do everything. But that doesn't mean we can't do some things. And again, the problem with chemical weapons is that they really do have the potential of doing damage to us. And same with biological weapons. So these arguments, man, that's so far away. What does it have to do with us? Uh, Are lame brain under the current circumstances. I don't know. What do terrorists in Afghanistan and Saudi Arabia have to do with us? What do you think? Think 9-11. But these chemical weapons, this is serious stuff. And it doesn't take much to make them and to transport them and to use them, which is why a country like Syria, which has nothing, almost no resources, which is held up by Russia, makes them and uses them. And Russia should know better, but Putin doesn't give a crap. And so we're fortunate to have a commander-in-chief, unlike Obama, who's actually standing up to Putin. And the irony is, they're trying to take out our commander-in-chief. They started with the whole Russian BS, and he's taking a tougher stand with Russia than Obama did, than Biden did, than Comey did, than Mueller did, than all those goofballs did. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. There's a congressman by the name of Ted Lieu from California. Guy is a complete left-wing nut job. But most of them are, aren't they, on the Democrat side? Here's what he thought about the president's strikes in Syria. Cut four, go. Having served in the U.S. military, I'm not opposed to the use of force, but I am opposed to the unconstitutional use of force. And our Constitution does not allow the president to engage in acts of war without congressional authorization. All right, let's stop right there. It's about time that those who take this position as an ideological position across the board as the interpretation of the Constitution, Article 1, and ignore Article 2, the Commander-in-Chief, it's about time they explain themselves. Is he saying in each and every instance, when military might is used, they have to get specific approval from both the House and the Senate of the United States? You have to get specific approval from Congress? And who has ever taken that position? Is that what the framers of the Constitution said? Is that what Jefferson did as President of the United States? Is that what Washington did as President of the United States? Is that what Madison did? Monroe? So, is that the position of the framers, the men and women of that period, that any time A president uses military power. He must get congressional approval. Is that what it says? That's my first point. My second point, how exactly would this work? Let's say there's a country out there, and we know they're going to do great harm to us or an ally. And time is of the essence. Secrecy is of the essence. Now, keep in mind, they're talking about the entire Congress. So the president should somehow, I want to know how how this actually manifests itself. 
How does he communicate with Congress? How does he get a vote out of Congress? And still, how does he win the battle or win the strike and protect our soldiers and and our population at the same time by not giving everything away or giving some relevant aspect of it away? We know Congress leaks. We know there are members of Congress that hate our country so much that they'll leak out relevant information. So that's the second point. How does this actually manifest itself, if that's your position, in each instance? In each instance. Number three, is there anything at all that stops Congress today from meeting and voting to withhold funds from the president to do this again in Syria? No. They say the president must come to Congress. Is Congress not awake? The president has said if they use chemical weapons again, or his spokespeople did, we will hit them again. So Congress is aware of this. Congress has the power of the purse. Is Congress going to do something about it? Apparently not. Well, then why not? Because it doesn't want to. And that's number three. Does this mean a president should be able to take the nation to war all the time? War. Not a military strike, not a battle, but war. With tens of thousands of troops and hundreds of aircraft. No, it doesn't. That's different in reality, and it's different in kind. So there's a bit of a nebulous area here in our Constitution. And I tell you this as a constitutionalist. And so... Much matters about who the president is, what the circumstances are, what the president does. And in this case, for these leftists to say what he's done is unconstitutional, they have no basis to say that whatsoever. They just hate Trump. I'll be back. An unapologetic patriot and unapologetic constitutionalist. You can reach him at 877-381-3811. You know, this show ought to be five hours long. I turn around and it's almost over. Not only that, should I move this show to the mornings, Mr. Producer? Should I move it to the mornings? Just throwing that out there to shake things up. Make people nervous. Where are we? Oh, you've heard me talking about... Mr. Producer doesn't like that, by the way. Don't worry. You've heard me talking about the Equifax breach, right? It's one of the worst breaches of financial information in history. And we all wanted to believe companies would clean up their acts, right? But they haven't. It's only gotten worse. Every week we're hearing about another breach. Now it's Panera Bread. And I like Panera Bread. And Delta Airlines. And the Facebook situation. First it was 50 million people, now it's 87 million people. I wonder how many other breaches there are that we don't know about yet. You can't wait around to see what happens. You have to protect yourself just like I did, just like my parents have. I found the best company to take care of me and my family. It's my ID care, so I switched over to them. And they're a great sponsor. For less than 10 bucks a month, My ID Care covers you for the nine types of identity theft. And they provide 100% identity recovery guarantee if you do fall victim or your money back. 
No, you can't find a level of protection like this anywhere else. This is the best. Learn more and get 15% off at myidcare.com with promo code MARK. Myidcare.com, promo code MARK. Or we have a special toll-free number. They set up this toll-free number. They didn't have one before just for this program. Why? Because many of you are listening to me in your trucks and your vehicles and so forth. It's 866-334-3084. That's 866-334-3084. MyIDCare.com, promo code MARK, 866-334-3084. Now, why do you need this? Because everybody's going after your data these days. Maybe not your personal computer, although you never know. But if you use a credit card or if you do things online, you're vulnerable. You're vulnerable through social media. You're vulnerable on the Internet, period. You're a target. You file anything with the government, same thing. You have to protect yourself because nobody else is going to do it. This is what we've come to learn. And this is why my ID care has decided to cover, you know, regular people like us. They used to just do big companies, but that's how good they are. So learn more, get 15% off at myidcare.com with promo code MARK. And if you're in your car right now, give them a call, 866-334-3084, 866-334-3084. I cannot encourage it strongly enough. Well, of course, uh, Mr. Producer, my call screen is down. Who do we have? Who do I want to speak to? You go ahead. Tell me. Who is it? Rob on Long Island, the great WABC. Go right ahead, sir. Mark, hi. Good evening. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. You know, I, uh, when this uh, Comey thing came out, I remember a couple of years ago reading, uh, it was a, uh, actually got it from TeaParty.org, but it was referencing a Breitbart article. And it talks about what was? Jim Comey. Sorry, okay, go ahead. It talks about Jim Comey when, after he worked for Ashcroft, he goes to work for Lockheed Martin, earns six million dollars. Then Lockheed Martin gets multiple contracts, about seventeen, from the State Department, and then Lockheed Martin becomes a big donor to the Clinton Global Initiative. And then it goes on to talk about Jim Comey's brother, who was the, who was the tax firm that audited the Clinton Global Initiative, and then after that. The brother works for another firm <clears throat> that secured the contract to redo the FBI building. And the point I want to make is that he's so conflicted that there's no way. He, the man didn't even go to the Saturday morning inquest you know, with Hillary Clinton uh, in which Strzok uh, ran the interview. That I, I just think this should be talked about, how these folks in the government... You know, get so you act- think that's going to fix it if we talk about it? Well, just We're c- well beyond this at this point. I mean... I don't, you know, the reason I do this show differently, while you don't hear me just play the clips of the interview and then comment on the clips and so forth, unless there's one that's particularly outrageous, it's because I'm trying to take it to the next step. I'm trying to show the collusion that actually exists between Mueller and what's going on in the Southern District, the other things they're trying to throw at us that we ought to ignore. I mean, I can go back, which is what you're talking about, and talk about what took place five years ago and so forth and so on. But I don't really care to do it. It's not going to get us anywhere. All right, my friend. Thank you for your call. These people are crooked. Robert, San Francisco, the great KSFO. Go ahead. 
Hey, Mark, I'm, I'm sitting here looking online, and I'm reading. I haven't read this article yet, but I, I'm going to. It's, it's from U.S. News, and the headline reads, Syria missile strikes based on what evidence. And then here's another world news report, and it says, Report, Moscow has irrefutable <sighs> proof chemical attacks in Syria's stage. Well, how about that? So you're, you're calling me about an article you haven't read, and now you've read another article about Moscow. No, I, I haven't. I'm going to read both these as soon as, as, soon as your show is Well, that's over. fine. What good does it do us? Well, I'm just sitting back looking at the in the past. We had Nikki Haley here, 1011 Men's Backstate, that if Syria gets gassed again, we're just going to listen, pal. I, I know what you're trying to do. You're throwing stuff against the wall, trying to create confusion, trying to tell the audience nobody knows what happened. We know what happened. French know what happens. The Israeli intelligence know what happens. The Jordanian intelligence know, knows what took place. We have other people on the ground uh, who are telling us what took place, and I believe the President of the United States is not a fool. So if you want to listen to Moscow and so forth, uh, just to show you how ridiculous that is, uh, they blame the U.K. They say the U.K. did this to cause the problem. You believe that? I, I haven't read the, I, Like I said, Mark, Sir, I I'm asking you a question. Moscow said Putin blamed it at the U.N. on the British. Said the British did it. Do you believe that? I don't know who to believe anymore. You're a kook. Get out of here. He doesn't know who to believe anymore. So the British gassed Syrians in Syria. Does that make sense, Mr. Producer? Because everybody's mad, you see, at, uh, at Putin. And the British are trying to get us in the war with Russia. Is that the theory? No, no, it's the Israelis. They want to get us in a war with Russia. Is that the theory? How about the most rational conclusion that these countries have come up with, including ours? Everybody was citing Mattis before. Mattis, you said you weren't sure and so forth. Notice they don't cite him anymore. Because an hour after we were finished cleaning up Obama's mess over there in Syria, Mattis took to the microphone and he said, yes, we're certain of it. We're certain of what took place. Russia at the U.N. keeps blocking votes condemning what took place. Russia blames the U.K. at the U.N. And this guy wants to cite Moscow. Why is it that so-called conservatives sound like leftists now? Why is that? Deb, Marilyn, the great WMAL, go ahead. Mark, I, ha I have a question for you. Can I make a quick statement about the um, Tappaquiddick movie? Yeah. I think the best, for me, it was so sad, it was so poignant, though, when he was eating in the restaurant after she was already dead, but they showed a clip of her trying to get air, gas for air in the car, and mm -hmm. he's just sitting down to a big, really nice uh, meal. It's like mm -hmm. he's a sociopath. Sitting down with he is, and what he was a sociopath. And you remember, his cousin came in, and the U.S. attorney came, and they couldn't believe it. Yeah, they said, "Have you reported this yet?" And no, I, I, I had not. Well, that's what I want to say about the movie, and I really thought it was very well done. But the other thing was, and Mark, I hope you don't think this is an ignorant, ignorant question. Honestly, I, I, when I think about, I know you. Um, Go ahead and ask it. Relax. You lovingly call him Big Dummy. And actually, that's what I call Google in your who, name. Who do I call Big Dummy? Bill Clinton. So Yes. Remember, sometimes I call him, you know, his initials are Bill Jefferson Clinton, and sometimes I call him B.J. Clinton. <laughs> They're both great. Mm -hmm. well, what I want to say was, so it, as I recall, he hired, I mean, fired tons of attorneys and hired everyone that would be for him. 
So I was researching what type of lawyers they would be, and I saw the Article Three judges, but they're under Article Two. They're civil officers, basically. Right. So, but that's all I know. I really. What's your know. question? So why? How come the people that have a conscience? Why don't they fire all the people that are against them and hire judges in the meantime that might be a little bit more for... Well, well, fi- free- by the way, by the way, you mean fire judges? Isn't that what Bill Clinton did? Well, not fire them, he got rid no, of you, them. But you can't fire uh, Article Three judges once they've been confirmed, as we call them, Article Three judges. And administrative law judges are civil servants. They're lawyers, most of them. They're civil servants. So you can't just fire them either. And uh, this woman that is... If you're uh, talking about United States attorneys, yes, you can fire them and replace them, which is what past presidents have done. Even um, even uh, ones that are for freedom that would fire the crummy judges, the ones that... I don't know. No, we're not firing judges. He can't fire judges. Okay. Uh, okay. Okay. Now, I got you. I got you. I understand. Okay. I All can- right, kid. Appreciate your call. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Hillsdale College is educating millions of Americans on freedom in the Constitution, economics, history, and other areas through their free online courses. And many of you have taken one of them, too. They also teach congressional staff and other leaders constitutional principles at the Hillsdale Kirby Center in Washington, D.C. It's a beautiful place. And I'm sure you've heard by now that Hillsdale's partnering with charter schools, too. And how every student on their main campus is required to study the Constitution regardless of whether they major in music, chemistry, mathematics, English, or anything else. Hillsdale does all this as part of their mission to help all Americans pursue truth and defend liberty, to help Americans become better citizens, and to preserve freedom. Now they're sending a copy of the Constitution and Declaration of Independence to every middle and high public school principal in America, along with an offer to provide free copies for every one of their students. Now learn how you can help in this effort and how you can get your own copy of Hillsdale's Pocket Constitution to keep or give away at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. Let us go to Blanca, Las Vegas, Nevada, the great K-Dawn, K-D-W-N, go. Mr. Levin, it's a pleasure to speak to you for the second time. Thank I'm you, a lucky Blanca. girl. <laughs> thank you. I just want to thank you for all you do every single day in the radio and Sundays also on the Fox channel. Thank um, you. I wish I'm I'm from Mexico. I'm an immigrant, legal yeah. one, and um, I waited so long, 13 years, to come to the United States. And about two years ago, I started listening to you. I don't know why it took me so long to find you, but <laughs> I found you. But I thank you. That's what my um, wife says, by the way. But anyway, go ahead. My 14-year-old listens to you, too. And what I really like about you, it's about teaching people about the Constitution of the United States. I think um, Latinos or anyone, any immigrant who comes to the United States should listen to Mark Levin about the Constitution of the United States. It's, we listen little things here and there, but we don't get the explanation and exactly how it mm-hmm. works. And I just thank you for that. 
Thank you. Well, and you're um, very I'm just, and yeah. I get I get a little bit nervous, and I I love to watch you on TV too. Sundays sometimes I cannot watch it that night, but I record in order to watch you maybe on a Monday morning that I have my coffee, Thank you. or maybe Tuesday. So I appreciate what you do. And one more thing, I yes, thank you uh, for. Back in, in when the, the president of the United States uh, announced that he was running for president, and when he was in the campaign and all that t- stuff, I remember that you call him out and things that you had to call him out, and I remember now that you can defend him with facts. So I appreciate that from you. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you, Blanca. She's a great caller. Thank you. Appreciate it. She likes me. Anyway, um, I call him as I see him, and I see we have a president of the United States who the left is trying to dislodge, and he deserves our support. He was constitutionally and legitimately elected, and these miscreants and malcontents have been ganging up against him ever since. And they control the culture, and they're from all parts of the culture, whether it's our public schools, colleges, and universities, whether it's the media, whether it's Hollywood and the film industry and the television industry. You know, for the first time in probably years, I was watching some of Saturday Night Live, and they have these two guys doing the news. Have you seen this, Rich, or Guns? It was, dis- it was disgusting. Two-thirds, it seemed like, was Trump, Trump just trashing him and trashing him and trashing him. Is this funny? You goofball failures in drama school? Is this funny? It's not funny at all. It's stupid. Really stupid. Saturday Night Live. Saturday Night Schmucks, that's what they ought to call it. Paul Ryan on Meet the Depressed. This one I needed to hit you with. Cut 12, go. No, but let's talk about fiscal discipline. I want you to respond to something Bob Corker said. He said this. This Congress and this administration likely will go down as one of the most fiscally irresponsible administrations and Congresses that we ever had. And he's referring to the fact that, that this tax bill... Spike the deficit. It's higher than even what was projected. Uh, and it's... We're, 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 we're not, you walk away with... Hey, Chuck, it's not just the taxes. It's the spending. Why can't you admit that, being a leftist and all? Why can't you say that? The government's too big. Say it after me, Chuck. Government's too big. Spends too much. Borrows too much. Say it, Chuck. Go ahead. It's going to happen that the baby boomers retiring was going to do that. These deficit trillion dollar projections have been out there for a long, long time. Why? Because of mandatory spending, which we call entitlements. Discretionary spending under the CBO baseline is going up about $300 billion over the next 10 years. Tax revenues are still rising. Income tax revenues are still rising. Corporate income tax revenues, corporate rate got dropped 40%, still rising. Mandatory spending, which is entitlements, that grows $2 trillion over the next decade. Why does it grow $2 trillion? Because the boomer generation is retiring. and we have Well, we all want to thank you for doing so much about it as Speaker of the House. I know you get plenty of kudos for talking about it over the decades. But you didn't do it. You didn't do it, and you were Speaker of the House. So if you can't do it, and you're Speaker of the House with the Republican majority, then why should we listen to you anymore? And so, and so we won't. Let's go to Basil. In Queens, New York, the great WABC. How are you, Basil? Very well, thanks, Mark. I just yes. wanted to cite the Washington Post from June 9, 1999, in which a federal judge dismissed a lawsuit filed by members of Congress that contended that President Clinton had no legal authority to airstrike uh, Yugoslavia. Mm-hmm. The judge noted that the courts traditionally have been reluctant to intervene in political disputes concerning matters of war. So it was okay for him to 
uh, bomb Yugoslavia. And how long did he bomb Yugoslavia for? I think it went on for, for months and months. It went on for months. It went on for months. And this was a did you did you hear all the liberal Democrats jumping up and down? Uh, no, <laughs> the silence was deafening then. Exactly, because that's what they are: frauds and hypocrites. All right, Basil, thank you for your call. <coughs> you know, I like people who are named after herbs, Mister Producer. That would be H E R B. H is silent, by the way. Alex Gainesville, Florida. We're running out of time. Quickly, go. Hey, Mark, long-time fan. Really glad to finally get to talk to you. Thank wanted you. I uh, wanted to talk about something one of your earlier callers was mentioning Well, guess about. what, Alex? We're going to have to take your number. Guns, seriously, take his number, and we will call you tomorrow. I apologize. I took my eyes off the clock. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. Please check out Levin TV tonight. It's brand new. I know you're going to love it. And I'll see you right here tomorrow. Take care. Take care.